and welcome to Cartridge Cinema Club, episode 16. My name is Mark Champlin, and today I'm joined by Alex Wallace. Holy shit, girls and gays, I am ecstatic. We, man. We did it. We did, y'all. We, we. We watched a good movie. We watched a good movie. (laughs) Okay, mm. hmm. What did we watch, Alex? we watched Tron. We watched Tron. Okay, actually, really quick before we get into Tron, which is great. Uh, <laughs> I want to make an apology uh, for last week, uh, girls and gays. I I neglected to to greet the girls and gays at the beginning of oh, last shit. week's episode, um, and and that mistake has been haunting me for the past week. And I, I just I just want to just up front. I I just want to from the bottom of my heart. I want to apologize. For There's a, at least two dozen girls and or gays who, who are, who are extremely disappointed. Heartbroken, Mark, by the fact that Heart, I did not yeah. give them the special shout out. And I want to reiterate, I've, I've mentioned this on a previous podcast, but we have a lot of new listeners who maybe haven't heard every episode of the podcast. And I just want to make it clear that when I greet the girls and gays at the beginning of the podcast, it's not that if you are not a girl and or a gay, you are not welcome to listen to the podcast. But it's just it's just my little shout out. To the girls and gays out there listening, yeah, I'd I'd be happy as as um as the most recently not straight uh, <laughs> of the two of us, I'd be happy to be the conduit to, to the straights. Um, guys, let we the, see you, we love you. Let this show you got... be your guide into <laughs> into discovering all sorts of things about your sexuality. Let, let, let us let us take you by the hand and explain why the things you like are bad, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Join us next week when we're going to be talking about gender abolition. Anyway, so we—it's watched... all arbitrary. So yeah, it's fake. It's crazy. Uh, so we watched Tron. We watched Tron this week, and Tron is just an incredible film. Honestly, so, I think it's a masterpiece. I I really do too. I had never seen it, and going into it. I went into it totally blind. Um, I all I knew was that Jeff Bridges is in it, and he's kind of hot in it. And he sure uh, is. And I don't even like men. And, yeah, <laughs> that's right. just like an objective <laughs> appraisal. I, I knew that he went inside a video game. That was literally, and I knew there was a bike involved. That was all I knew about this movie. So, um, I it it totally. It totally blew me away. Alex, tell me about Tron. Tron. What did you, what do you what did you know about Tron? What, what is Tron? So tr- I my first experience with any Tron property was watching Tron Legacy when it came out in the theaters. Um I was like again, I'm just I had just always been the type of person that just like grew up on the internet and was just like immersed in pop culture and so there's a lot mm-hmm. of things that I am just like aware of through just like hearing it talked about on internet forums and reading about it on fucking tv tropes and shit like that and tron was definitely one of those things where i had seen it i knew it had this very like it has such a look to it nothing else is ever going to look like tron ever Mm -hmm. like nothing looked like tron before tron came out and nothing is ever going to look like tron again no one is going to make something that looks like tron ever um, no. and it, it was weird, uh, coming to this because 
1982 was almost 40 fucking years ago, dog. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think the, the moment when it really came into focus for me was when I saw Jeff Bridges for the first time. Because Jeff Bridges is like the hot, young, protagonist, fucking ace, fucking good at video games and kissing mm-hmm. ladies and being good at stuff type dude in this movie. And like yeah. modern, modern day Jeff Bridges, like the Jeff Bridges that I know, like, you know, having grown up in the 2000s, like, you know, The Big Lebowski was like kind of an old movie. And he is. It was a, already kind of old. Yeah, yeah, and he's a pretty old looking dude in that. And like Jeff Bridges now is like, you know, hella fucking grizzled. And it really reminded me like, yeah. holy fuck, it's basically been four decades since this movie came out. Yeah, I, I I knew that Jeff Bridges was in it, and when when that when that guy, the main character, was like on the screen first, I had to like double check to see if that was like actually Jeff Bridges, because I was like that's not a uh, grizzled cowboy man. <laughs> yeah. That can't be him. Yeah, and then he does I don't the know Jeff, this man. He does the Jeff Bridges smile, and you're like, "Oh shit, it's Jeff Bridges." I like yeah, that. I was like, "Oh shit's about to get real." It, the <laughs> the um the difference is as stark as like when you watch like new Star Wars and you see Harrison Ford. I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, like some time the, some time done been passing, man. It's it it was it was a total like. Yeah, he's he, he he well he has a very like like sexy like Han Solo type of like vibe yeah. um, of that character. This movie does I'll say briefly, this movie does have a lot of Star Wars worship. And me as like a huge, huge fan of the original Star Wars movies, I really appreciated that. I'll probably get, get into a couple specific reasons of why I think it works, but anyway, yeah. So nineteen eighty two Um <laughs> was a really long time yeah, ago. Yeah, and um, so yeah. So if you if you're not familiar with like the plot of Tron, it's basically computer osmosis Jones, right? Instead, you know, com- <laughs> you know what's funny about that is like I feel like no one's fucking seen Osmosis Jones. Like most people haven't seen it, or if they have seen it, they saw it like 15 years ago. But for some reason, if you talk to anybody between the ages of like 20 and like 28, they everybody knows that movie. Mm-hmm. Everyone are... knows it, knows who did the voice acting, and like knows the plot. Yeah, knows the basic premise, which is you know nobody nobody owns the Blu-ray. Not a single no. Osmosis Jones Blu-ray was ever fucking sold, but we've all seen it. Yeah, and and so like you know, for, if for some reason the Osmosis Jones reference doesn't work for you, um, you know, the computers in Tron work because they got little people inside them that go around and do stuff and then jeff bridges has to go inside there and kick some fucking ass there's a big bad guy program called the master control program and he's like a he's like a fascist basically um Mm -hmm. and then the rest of the plot kind of doesn't matter because you're there to see some cool looking fucking shit because they made a movie with computer-generated graphics in fucking 1982, which means all of it is just super smooth, like, two polygons per per shape, and then they just built crazy psychedelic landscapes out of it, and then you just sit there and you just watch that unfold in front of you, and then they put people in big light-up costumes in it, and it's just... (laughs) And it works. How does it work so so well? fucking cool, man. How does it work so well? They... uh... The, n- nothing in this movie has textures and it still looks amazing. It's literal, like e- every 
object in this movie that's computer generated is like one to five polygons, except for like some of the, the spaceships, which are obviously a little more complex. But even then, nothing has a texture. Like textures did not exist in CGI back yeah, then. Yeah, and then the people are like in jumpsuits with lights on them, and then their faces are the only thing that's like actual, that actually looks like it's just a vi- you know video or a film in the shot. And mm-hmm. they're like black and white. And it the whole thing is just, I was like taken aback the whole time by this thing. I, the, the whole time I was wondering, because um, again, I, I had never seen this. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how it would look. Um, and when I saw stuff like the light bike scene and I saw stuff like the, like the, the digital sea um, of textureless polygons, I was like blown away. And I thought, what was, was this just pure limitations of the time or how, how, how or rather how much of it was limitations of the time and how much of it was artistic vision. And then I kind of realized like that doesn't fucking matter. It's a synthesis of those things, you know? It, well, I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's what it, it's in the same way that, you know, we, we now are starting to live in an area in actual video games where, you know, graphics processing power and the ability to create photorealistic environments is at this point, like kind of old hat. Like, hey, check it out. We made a city that looks like a city. Cool. Somebody did that back in, like, 2013. Who gives a shit? Everything past The Witcher 3 for me is no longer (laughs) impressive. That was the last game to make me say, this looks fucking awesome. Everything past that has been like, yeah, sure. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And that was 2015. Yeah. Graphics ended in 2015. Well, and that was the last thing photorealistically, right? But, like, wow, I said that really weird. Photorealistically. Like, (laughs) but you, but you know, fucking Cuphead comes out, you know, fucking, you know, all of these things, like, games that are evoking a style and and rather than just, like, pushing the limits of hardware. And, like, Mm -hmm. this movie is just, like, an incredible demonstration of, like, what you can do with really strong art direction and zero processing power. You know, like they were making this, they were making this shit on fucking graphing calculators, the size of buildings. (laughs) Is there, is there any documentary or like behind the scenes about this movie? Cause I want to watch that. I wish that I was a professional enough podcast host to have an answer to that. Yeah. I was thinking, I was, I was honestly thinking of doing some research before this, but then I didn't. And now here we are. I would love to, to see the making of this movie. I've never... I've never cared so much immediately about the the graphical process of the creation of a movie before. Every single shot. <laughs> like, every shot. You're like, how the fuck did they do that? Every frame is truly a painting. <laughs> it really is. And, like, also, even, like, even the live-action stuff. Because, you know, like, the first maybe, like, 15, 20 minutes-ish of the movie is... And then, like, the last, like, 5 to 10 minutes is, you know, taking place in actual reality. And one of my mm-hmm. favorite things about it is that they create such, like, a strong visual symmetry between the real-life shots and the computer shots. In the, like, real-life shots, 
They're constantly shooting from isometric angles. They're shooting the characters from overhead diagonally. They're always uh, shooting in such a way so that all of the lines are creating grids. They're always shooting in rooms where there's really mm. strong neon lighting so that the characters are mostly silhouetted and then there's these sort of did, like bright did colors Did you have moments... Them. Did you have moments... Well, maybe you didn't because I think you've seen it before, but did, did you have... I had moments when I was watching the very beginning sequence because they do they do kind of a cold open where they show the digital world briefly and they don't explain it yet. Yeah. And then they they hard cut to the real world. And I wasn't I didn't know that we had cut to the real world until I see like a, like a pickup truck pull up. Right. And I was like shocked. And that, that was really that was totally intentional. Yeah. Obviously, they, they they did it really well. And and you find yourself in an arcade, like a real life like yeah. arcade. There's a and. I was so shocked that we had come into the real world. I didn't know that it had happened yet because the transition was so seamless. There, it really is incredible to be sitting here recording an episode of Cartridge Cinema Club and getting to talk about a movie that has visual themes. You know, yeah. like the closest we probably had to that was like Hitman, and that Hitman had like. As much as Hitman is just a disgusting film in every possible way, it did sort of have, like, there was an emphasis on close-ups in Hitman. It was very low to the ground Mm -hmm. and kind of had, like, a coherent visual style. But this movie, like, this movie has, like, an aesthetic, you know? This movie has, like, a fucking, like, it punches you in the face with with its visual style. There's, like, there's a scene uh, at the very, like, near the beginning where it's just Jeff Bridges doing exposition in this, in like the upstairs of the arcade. And it like, this should be the most boring scene ever. Cause it's three people sitting on a couch with Jeff Bridges talking about mystical sci-fi hacking fantasy bullshit. And, and in any other video game movie, this, and we've seen this scene in plant done poorly in all of these other movies we've watched. It would have been the, the most boring scene. Yeah. But instead it's like, all right, well we have these, there's like several different, like, kind of pinkish purple neon signs outside and they're going to be filtering in through these like venetian blind style kind of right you know effects so that it's really getting these like kind of you're getting that grid effect here in this room you're getting that neon effect here in this room and then that will sort of you know that allows the film to sort of have that symmetry with you know the computer scenes and it's like really i i almost started crying because i was like wow (laughs) It, it's been so long since I've watched a good film. <laughs> yeah, honestly, we're we're getting pretty like brain poisoned from watching these many bad movies. It's it's really starting to become a problem. <laughs> where I was, I mean, I I I'd like to think that I still have the ability to like actually say, hey, this is a great movie. I hope it's not some sort of no, nah, fuck it. This movie's great. Yeah, I know it's great. I will stay. I would have liked this movie if I watched it two years ago before i had yeah. put myself through hell yeah um so so you wanted to talk about the sound design a little bit before we get into the plot which is n- not that great <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the plot the, the the plot's not not going to be the strongest bullet point here yeah um, i kind of feel but, the way about this movie that i feel about like blade runner right and that it's like yeah you should fucking <laughs> yeah. see blade runner but you should see blade runner to see blade runner you're not gonna get a lot out of the story in it mm-hmm. yeah so, so so i did want to shout out the soundtrack um at, at first i kind of was listening to it and and appreciating the fact that it was very much like 
John Williams worship, but it was its own spin on it. And I don't mean like the big orchestral like moments that John Williams is known for in fucking Superman and in Star Wars. I mean like the the more quiet moments. Like think when like Obi Wan is like sneaking around the Death Star in A New Hope, and there's like kind of like very like um, uh, arousing suspicion uh, sounding, you know, violins and flutes and stuff. Uh, so when he's like sneaking around the digital world, it it's kind of that type of thing. Yeah, but there's it's, this it's very... scored, you know. It's 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 yeah. it's scored in the way I feel like movies kind of aren't as much uh, these no. days. Yeah, it's like N- no movie is scored like this anymore. Yeah, it's like oh, like this character is gonna move, and there's gonna be a particular like you know violin sting associated with them moving, and like that kind of has like a very like whimsical 80s quality to it that like I feel like yes, f- yeah, movies movies don't really sound like that anymore you you can kind of think like 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 willy wonk and the chocolate factory is like another example of like a really good scored movie from like the 70s or 80s from from decades ago um 70s and yeah so um but the 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 big orchestral moments that um that are in this movie are like underscored with like these deep like droning like synth moments and then also when there's crescendos and the dynamics change you the it blends together with the synths and the trumpets and um, just just the horns in general and it creates this like cacophony that's like really like ambient and like beautiful and weird and i so i immediately had to like look up who did this soundtrack and um fucking wendy carlos wendy carlos uh, is so goddamn sick we could pause on wendy carlos for a second because like i mean i have her her fucking wikipedia page i'm i'm not gonna pretend to have like known about her like for years but like she's definitely someone that i've like been aware of she's you know she is like one of the pioneers of synthesizer music period the like she was one of the people that helped like develop the moog and shit like she is you know like one of the people for whom without which we would not have techno music we would yeah, not have coachella without wendy carlos <laughs> she's created some sounds that i'm reading about here that are some of my favorite like all-time favorite sounds like literally like well for example the the moog is such an underused thing in modern music my my, my go-to answer is always motion city soundtrack because i'm like a i really like rock and punk and pop music a lot but they just have a dedicated moog player <laughs> and there is no other pop punk band that sounds like <laughs> they do because they fucking they don't have like guitar solos they have like moog solos and it is so rad anyway i digress her her soundtrack record She's done three movie soundtracks on here. We have A Clockwork Orange, The Shining, and Tron. <laughs> fucking, <laughs> oh my god. She's fucking walked up, knocked it out of the park three <laughs> times, and then went the fuck home, dog. Yeah, you, you, you don't make another soundtrack after this. And now, really thinking back about The Shining music, everything I was saying about how well Tron is scored, like, that goes doubly for The Shining. Like, th- that movie, like... It lives and dies by its score. Like, holy shit. So, yeah, go go her. Yeah. So, I don't She's like the soundtrack incredible. that much. <laughs> yeah, so, you, t- <laughs> you, you, fu- you 
fuck are you? Before you knew that she wrote it, you're like, I don't fucking like the soundtrack. That I mean, much. I, no, yeah, I, I, I legitimately like really don't know. Like, I, I, I part of it might have just been because, like, I don't know. I was watching this like in my living room on just like my TV, which doesn't have great speakers attached to it, and that probably could have been like a pretty big factor for this. Um, but it was interesting because. It just so looks like a movie that should have a fucking badass kicking EDM soundtrack, but badass yeah, kicking EDM didn't exist yet. It, because it, it didn't exist. It and could I, not I had that exist. thought too. The technology to create the type of music that the, this movie deserved didn't exist yet. And the, the fact that it has like the kind of like very, very movie music style, like, uh, violin stings in it and all that stuff feels so out of place and wouldn't that like th- if this movie came out now and looked like this it would not fucking sound like that it would sound like fucking daft punk because that's what they did and they yeah, were that's, right that's to do what, that that is what they did so i have i have actually heard the tron legacy soundtrack a lot i've just never seen the movie i it, that was an album that i listened to a lot when i was 16 yeah okay so the characters uh <laughs> i mean you the, there's this this movie has some some characters they're they're there they're there they exist you can't <laughs> tell any of them apart because they're all dressed the same and they're all white dudes it's almost as if if you because okay right so the, yeah 90 percent of the movie yeah. takes place inside the computer world um which i actually think is like it's cool that you see so much compu- crazy computer world shit I wish that, like, especially as it was getting towards the climax, there was more cutting back and forth between the real world and the computer world. Because there's basically none yeah. of that. It's basically... That, that was a complaint that I had throughout the movie. I was I was thinking that, like, on the other side, it would be his two friends kind of figuring out what's going on. Yeah. And, like, being like, oh, he's gone. Oh, he's inside the computer. And they would be, like, his, like, home base helping yeah. him from the outside. That doesn't happen at doesn't he, happen he goes into the like he goes into the computer like 15 minutes into the movie he's in the computer for basically the whole movie and he comes out at like the last five minutes and he doesn't really communicate with the outside world at all and like as awesome as the uh visual style is it can get a little bit exhausting to only have that and i feel like the film would be a little bit more effective if it was broken up by more of the real life shots um and like mm-hmm. had more story around it because one of the biggest problems is that just the story really isn't very fleshed out um and it would also help a lot because you can't tell the difference between any of the fucking characters when they're in the computer because they're all wearing jumpsuits that are all the same color and they're all the fucking white guys and they all sound the same and none of them really have personality at all besides jeff bridges um yeah and and the three main computer program uh characters are supposed to be like stand-ins for the the real life characters that you that you met before and they're played by the same actors right yeah but they don't do anything with it they don't do anything with that that's interesting and also because everyone looks so samey i had like a little bit of a hard time like I wasn't sure. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be that first guy, but I, I don't know. So yeah. I had to look it up. <laughs> yeah, for, for as much as this movie is, like, uh, fantastic, like, and just from a visual perspective, like, most of the time you're just looking at the pretty lights. They're, you know, like, the, it's pretty lacking in terms of, like, well-developed, uh, like, theme. Like, it, this movie is, like, brushing against 
a lot of really interesting things, but it, it doesn't it, does. it, it doesn't actually go anywhere with any of them. Cause like okay, so like there's a scene where near the beginning where the master control program is talking to the you know the boss of the tech company that makes all the computers and shit, and he's talking about how you know he he's an AI and he has now become smarter than humans and he literally says he wants to control the Pentagon and the Kremlin. Um, <laughs> yeah. And there's a there's a really interesting <laughs> they they acknowledge the fact that the guy who owns this computer program this like extremely powerful intelligent ai that wants to take over the world which again goes nowhere there's one scene where he talks about taking over the world and then they don't fucking do anything with it well because they don't go back to the real world ever yeah and in inside the the computer world he's like basically a different character yeah um so, and we'll get into kind of that stuff, but like, yeah. you know, he, he, they acknowledge the fact that he is a product of mass labor and that mm-hmm. the CEO asshole that he's talking to it, like did not build him. He's like, well, I, you know, I'm your user, you know, I, you know, I control you. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm the product of millions of man hours. And, and it's like, oh, they're kind of hinting at like a, weird collectivist angle of this but mm-hmm. also the master control program is bad he's an evil baddie um so they're not <laughs> really like hitting the collectivist angle and then within the computer like he's basically just like an anti-religious fascist like he's basically they're saying like users don't exist people who control our programs that's not real uh, if if I catch you talking about users, you're gonna get fucking murked. We're gonna get rid of you. You're gone. You... Yeah, it's it's very it's like the outside world doesn't exist. There is only there is only the inside of the computer. Yeah. There's only this system that I, as the master program, control. Yeah, which sounds fucking awesome, right? And right. And that's that dynamic is talked about in like one scene, and then it. None of it goes anywhere. It's, it's yeah. I got really, I got really excited when they were talking about like, oh, you don't believe in users, right? And it's like, n- no, you you got to get rid of that fucking, um, that superstitious bullshit. There's no such thing as users. Yeah, all there are is programs. And because I, I love that shit. Yeah, that's I, I love that's it too. precisely my shit. I I love religious themes and themes of superstition and and conspiracies (laughs) i too was raised in a religious household that i later came to reject oh boy um (laughs) there's we don't have enough time (laughs) (laughs) yeah we gotta talk about spy kids three if if you see us in real life if you're if you're going to the thing that that we're going to this weekend come talk to us about religious upbringings and we'll have a real conversation (laughs) anyway Actually, before we talk about Spy Kids three, because I do want to talk about Spy Kids three in this episode, um, the yeah, other thing fuck Spy Kids three. <laughs> okay, there's there's one really weird thing in, that I want to touch on, which is that okay, so about forty five minutes into the movie or so, they introduce a female character, like a female computer program, and her and Tron, mm-hmm. who is like one of the Tron, also not the main character by the way. He's like just one of the computer programs. He's like a hacking protocol that's gonna go fuck shit up. He throws discs a lot. He's badass. We like Tron. Anyway, 
Tron meets up with this girl, right? And they and it seems like there's like maybe some chemistry between him and her because they kind he like kind of puts his hand on her face or whatever, and then and they're always kind of like touchy with each other a little bit, and then and then later when near the end, when Jeff Bridges is about to go off into the the void to go do some hero shit, it doesn't matter again. Um, mm-hmm. He kisses her. And again, Jeff Bridges is not Tron. He is a different character. And they kiss... And again, this is not built at all. These characters barely interact with each other. Um, you know, fucking check it off on the bingo card. Can't avoid it on the video game movie podcast. Has to be a completely unearned romance that shows up. And they kiss... Hey, and he- the hero gets his reward. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that happens. And then... She kisses Tron, too. Mm-hmm. And the implication, I think, is that, like, Jeff Bridges taught her that kissing is a thing, and then she kisses Tron. I... Maybe... I guess? That... I, it's that's very as, unclear. That's as, good of an explana- that's as good of an explanation as any. I mean, we know the actual answer is... Is... Girl, kiss the, the, the boy in the movie? Yeah, but um, she kisses <laughs> both of the boys for no reason? Well, so there, there kind of is a reason, and it's kind of like fucking annoying in that. So these three characters are stand-ins for the three characters in the real world, right? So like, in the real world, there's there's only like fifteen twenty minutes spent establishing things in real life, but in those fifteen minutes, they managed to establish that the female tech employee uh, used to date Jeff Bridges and is now currently dating the guy who will stand in for Tron. So, naturally, like, hey, she's kissed both of them in real life, so she's going to kiss both of them in the digital world, too. And that's the whole female character. Let's talk about Spy Kids 3. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Uh, so, Spy Kids 3 is just <laughs> shitty Tron, turns out. Yeah. Every, every moment in Spy Kids 3 where it was where they introduced, like, a new thing... I was like, oh, it's like, it's pogo frogs. I was like, oh God, what fresh hell is this? <laughs> and I, and I'd be this pissed off when I'd see it and just be like, they shouldn't have made this. This looks terrible. As opposed to this movie when they're like, oh, it's light bikes. And I'm like, this is fucking rad. And then it's like, oh, it's, it's, uh, he's actually in a robot junkyard. And hey, he recreated this flying robot claw alien thing. And I was like, hey, that's also fucking rad. So basically every moment of joy and wonderment that this movie made me feel, there's an equal amount of of anger at at the stupidity that I'm witnessing. It really is incredible that Spy Kids 3 and Tron, two films released like 20 years apart, Spy Kids mm-hmm. 3 has had, you know, like over a decade to look better than Tron, and it does not even look remotely as good as Tron. <laughs> the movie looks Spy, like Spy Kids three. Doc. Spy Kids three came out to d- d- twenty five years after Tron. Good fucking. There is no fucking excuse. <laughs> um, yeah. So this maybe this movie made me. I mean, I was I kind of like I liked Spy Kids three for a goof. And now I just hate it for trying to be Tron and doing <laughs> such a shitty job. Yeah. Uh, the 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 other thing, um, be here here at Triple C Nation, um, 
we like to end on a bummer <laughs> because life is a bummer and we all exist within systems that actively oppress us. Um, Disney, Walt Disney Studios. Yeah, we have not mentioned made this, this movie. Is a Disney movie at all. This is a Disney movie. It's so weird that this is a Disney movie. It's so th- this was nothing a about it. Disney. Nothing about it has that disney polish on it you know this movie like no it's not a clean fucking movie dude this movie, this movie is, has grit this it's movie nothing is but grimy grit. as fuck and th- this is like a pre-michael eisner disney this is a disney uh, this is a disney that died the day that walt disney world was made the, this is a disney that we will never get again because <laughs> Because capitalism drives constant, uh, unsustainable growth. And the only way to guarantee that is to make safe fucking bets and to make remakes of The Lion King every 18 years. (laughs) And when was the last time that there was an exciting new IP from Disney that they didn't just acquire and decide to milk until, until it couldn't be milked anymore? I literally cannot think of a time in the past decade and a half. I, uh, the Princess fuck and the Frog, Disney. which no one went okay. to go see. <laughs> Princess and the Frog was a great fucking movie. And and no one saw it. Yeah. There was a lot of love and care and thought and uh, creativity and composition that went into that movie and uh, no one talks about it. You know what they do talk about is fucking Frozen. Hey, there's a new IP. Um, well, kind of. And also, it's just, you know, it's it's just a whole bunch of white people in the snow singing yeah. four chord songs. Unlike anyway. Tron, which is a whole bunch of white people at a computer not singing and getting murdered a lot. What are we watching next week, Mark? <laughs> um, well, uh we are going to watch Resident Evil. Yes, the first Resident Evil it's, movie. It's first time. of the first of twenty seven hundred Resident <laughs> Evil movies. The first in the in the long dynasty of Resident Evil films. I I, I kind of had the idea to watch this because as of the recording, um, the the Resident Evil two remake is coming out, and I have never played a Resident Evil game to completion. I've played the first third of resident evil 4 and i got scared and i said i'm not gonna play this anymore (laughs) um i'm hoping to be scared hoping to have some fun i'm hoping not to be incredibly bored but i'm pretty sure these movies are boring (laughs) i have never played a resident evil game i have never seen a resident evil movie again like everything else i know the important things about resident evil i know about all the racism in resident evil 5 i know about tank controls i know that resident evil 4 is the good one where can people find the podcast on the internet, Mark? Um, well, uh, just want to say thanks for that hundo on at Cartridge Cinema, our Twitter. We are up to like 110? Something like that. Um, which is big numbers. Rad. We're proud yeah, of it. Put, putting up big, uh, big numbers, big <laughs> money. Um, this is really, uh, I can't believe we've made a livelihood out of this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we sold the IP for Cartoon Cinema Club for $12 billion to the Disney Corporation. 
<laughs> you know what? It was well, we were part of the Maker Studios acquisition, so that's really uh, so we got we got our fair share of that. Um, follow follow Alex at at Party Time Shuffle Shuffle spelled S H F F L. If you know, you know. Um, follow me myself, Mark at Mark underscore Drizzle. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and of course the OGs listen on SoundCloud. There's more SoundCloud listeners than I thought because people have been hashtag engaging with us <laughs> on Twitter, and a couple of them have been saying they listen on SoundCloud. So Hell yeah! Shouts out! Shoutouts to those um, people, Triple C Nation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the music is by uh, DJ Tin Man, who should make a new jingle for Hey, they watched a good movie this week. Because um, that's we should start a different fucking podcast. Where we watch good movies. Why didn't we think of that? When when we sat down to do a podcast, why wasn't I like, Mark, we should do a podcast where we watch good movies. Instead, I was like, Mark, we should do a podcast where we watch fucking bullshit. Yeah, and I like responding. The art is by Courtney Kaufman. Yes. (laughs) I love that. The art. Yes. The art Um, is by Courtney Kaufman. (laughs) (laughs) It sure is. it was fucking Tuesday. I'm already recording. How do we want? How do we want to sync um, this week? What's how do you? <laughs> um, well, so there's this website. It's called timeanddate.com. Well, see, last and time it, it wasn't working for us, though. I, I know it was terrible. Um, um, I don't know. Why don't Why don't I do the same? Da 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 da, da and then we and then we clap on the da. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Three, four. Da 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 da. da. That actually works super well. <laughs> yeah, it did. Okay. <laughs> that's way better. <laughs> oh god, that's pretty great. This man, that's 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 a that's a Patreon bonus. You get to hear the sync. <laughs> yeah, I might I might I might make that a stinger or something. Yeah, that'd be funny. Yeah. <laughs> you should do it. Okay. Yeah. So we're we're recording, we're we're actually good to get to go. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, cool.